Welcome to Eclipse, a Dungeons & Dragons sci-fi fantasy thriller. I'm Jeremy Fair, and I'll be your Dungeon Master. I'm Adam Deweese, and I will be your illicit cleric, Dr. Shepard. I'm Megan Kelleher, and I will be your human monk, Ava Elkin. I'm Rob Clark, and I will be your Warforged Artificier, Info Fuscat. I'm Whitney Mullen, and I'll be playing Vita Nove and ASMR Bard. And I'm Patrick Collins, playing Kanan Vergest, the Tiefling Wild Magic Sorcerer. Last time on Eclipse, you were all captured by some group of Githyanki who accused you of trespassing on Amaron, and they took you in their ship and have taken you a couple days worth of travel somewhere into space. You are not sure where, but they have taken you all away from Dr. Shepard, your resident Alithid, and Dr. Shepard and Gary have been trying to follow you in the eclipse and they have managed to follow you to a planet known as glyph and um there is two moons that are surrounding glyph and you've been taken to one of them and have been brought into some sort of prison hold or like some sort of base but you have all been marched into this very large complex that is somewhat underground or it's in some sort of building you're not really sure you all had came out of your ship that you were arrested in and just brought into like this giant hangar and walked deep into this unknown vault you don't even know where you're at but you passed all sorts of very strange things throughout this complex there seemed to be a number of other githyanki in addition to the ones that were marching you in here you also saw some sort of large giant like orc like creature that was guarding a couple prisoners that seemed to be chained to posts and they were breaking rocks. And just as you were being brought past that area, there's this giant doorway and you were being led straight to this doorway. As you're all being marched to this door, you'll see the leader of the Githyanki that had arrested you walk over and open these two big double doors. And it seems like there is this big hole that seems to be going downward, even deeper into wherever this place is that you've been taken. These stairs seem to descend into darkness. There doesn't seem to be much light coming from it, but uh, the passageway is much more narrow than this massive room that you're standing in. It would appear that maybe four or five of this dozen or so Githyanki that have been marching you through kind of stay back, and only eight of them actually start walking with you down into these steps. I know that Ava had just released Apricot moments before uh, into the room right before the room with the giant. So Apricot is in there waiting. What are you all doing during this time? I believe Apricot is just about to poof. I feel like I'm Ava's kicking herself because she thought surely there can't be this many doors. Uh, And lo and behold, uh, there are even more doors. And I think I'm about to be about as far away from Apricot as I can before she uh, fizzles into a ferret ghost which is fine i can get her back later are all of you 100 percent still complying um is there anything else any of you would like to try to do before you go down into this chamber uh info is going to touch a button 
on his vest area and use his magical tinkering to imbue it with the magical property of horrific odor. Like the most offensive odor, like if a cat peed out vomit that was subsequently eaten and then pooped out by something worse, it would just smell that bad. And it's just this little button on his shirt that will just be emitting this horrific odor. And hopefully it offends the Gith Yankee the whole time, just because he's real fucking bitter. And the whole time he's doing it, he's staring. He's staring at the guy who, like, killed Rodney. And he's just, like, mumbling to himself, tinkering with it to make it just smell horrible, just, like, hoping it will make that guy sick. (laughs) Yeah, so you do that, and you are just now giving off this extremely bad smell, which, unfortunately for the rest of your party, they also have to endure as this is occurring. Rodney, what is that? It it doesn't. It smells really bad. It doesn't even seem fully biological. It it smells really bad to you all. It smells somewhere between terrible body odor and like burning rubber tires. And all of these gifts that are leading you down are looking at each other uncertain as they're about to take you into even closer quarters than this massive room you're standing in, where it already smells really bad. I have prestidigitation. Can I like make? vanilla scented like circles around our heads just like we smell vanilla even though they're getting like bombarded with whatever this is i feel like you could do it it's because it's just one spot i feel like you could do it for yourself (laughs) okay i'll do it for myself so info creates this horrible scent and then lita just creates vanilla scent coming off of her which some of the people closest to her can smell it you are nonetheless though being led into this cavern down these steps and um there is the main githyanki the captain of of the crew that had arrested you in the front uh leading you all but you know when you're going down these steps they're only maybe like six or seven feet wide so it's not enough room for there to be two githyanki on both sides of all of you at, at the same time so there are moments where there's some in front of you and some behind you and you're not being guarded quite as closely especially info who quite frankly smells like shit what's the situation with our hands are they bound or are our hands free um so your hands are at the moment still free you have not yet been bound okay were you gonna do anything with that information no not with i just wanted to know and i'm not trying anything with eight gith in a hallway after my last experience trying to uh, kill one. I love that Info has an ability to just make himself stinky. Right? I think we all have that, really. Yeah, that's true. But he actually has one, like, at will, which is pretty cool. Emit odor or nonverbal sound. Yeah, like somebody wrote that down in a book and then sold it for $30. I I would like to kind of, like, fake stumble into one of the gifts and use magical tinkering on him to make another copy of that same odor so that they think it's, like, spreading. So you're going to stumble into one of them, and they're going to react by taking the side of their rifle and shoving you up against the wall and being like, Watch your step! And they don't seem to notice that something's been placed on them. It already smells really bad in these enclosed quarters. But as you're all descending down these stairs, you're traveling for a while. Like, I would say literally like a good minute or two of just straight descent down some steps. But it's to the point where these steps are actually starting to become less defined, and before long it is now just a sloped, dirt, sand-type declining hill that you are now walking down through this cave. And it actually starts to smell very moist 
um, very dank, and, and you can actually hear the dripping of water and moisture as you're as you're going down into this cave. And there will suddenly be a stop, and the one in front, the captain, he will turn. Block off the hallway. You, come with me. You four, guard them. Watch them closely. And he will take a hard right, and suddenly you are no longer going downward, even though the trail does continue downward, you seem to have turned off into some sort of alcove. And there is a iron door at the end, like almost like a safe type wheel on the front that he walks up. It has like multiple posts on it, like a like a wheel on a ship or something. And he starts to spin it and it's making these really loud cranking sounds. Like you can see that he is having to use physical labor to crank this very heavy lock. And soon this iron door will open. And you'll say, in we're going inside and he's going to lead you through this door where are you taking us well i'm putting you in your cell you have to await your trial don't you and when he points his arm you see inside there is now light coming out of here and the inside of this room looks pretty well furnished and um built with actual architecture like the upper level had been nothing like this very rudimentary cave that you just walked through and inside you see that there is indeed lighting coming out of it seems to be a series of appliances a table you can just kind of see if you're looking like into it from where you're standing in the cave still there's like some other doors in there you can see like a sink or something this is our cell well this leads to your cell this is the prisoner's quarters so we get to like hang out in here what this is just the kitchen your rooms are well they're over here and he just like starts walking forward and a couple of the githyanki will move up behind you you hear their feet sloshing through like uh, a puddle that you had all walked through to get to this area and they seem to be moving up behind you like herding you into this room the leader will begin to walk forward and behind him will be two of the other githyanki and they both are all kind of looking like expecting you all to follow or are any of you like not following you all just kind of moving with the crowd the armed crowd i'd like to see more of this place i'm hearing multiple bedrooms kitchen maybe some plumbing issues but you know it's a fixer-upper i can deal with that yeah i'd actually like to kind of push my way between the two guards like curiously poking my head into this first room yeah, Info's going to follow Kanan and kind of curiously look in like, mm, well, this looks pretty nice. <laughs> I forgot your fucking voice changed. <laughs> Is this not the voice you've been using the whole time? I just want to quickly remind the listeners that last time something had happened to her Info's voice modulator had changed. And so that's what's happening here. I just didn't want anyone to think that like Kermit the Frog was part of our podcast suddenly or anything. I'm Marvin the Martian. Yeah, I believe it's... I think we just found out any time that Info drops a zero HP and is brought back is when a new voice is going to uh, pop up and uh, Kermit the Frog was first to bat. Yeah, or Yoda. or It'll always be some Frank Oz <laughs> Either way, you were all led into this room and the inside of this room is, is uh, it seems to be made of concrete and titanium, you know, out of canon, like very modern in our world, very modern looking steel cabinets, wood tables, kind of like this turquoise like metal sinks and different storage devices and things like that. Yeah, not bad. Mid-century modern. I can live with that. And you see in this room three other doors. He is going to keep walking forward and move to the left and there will be another door and he's going to go 
this is where your quarters will be. And he's going to open the door, and inside is a pretty large room. I'd say maybe 40 or 50 feet long, probably about 20 feet wide, and you see multiple beds. You see four beds in there. There is one bookshelf in the corner that does not seem to have very many books on it. Um, You see some toilets on the far side of the room with... There is an alcove, like a wall, with a little privacy, but not a door. But um, it is not 100% without privacy. And um, you see two more doors to the north of this room, but, you know, they're both closed. And he'll just point. This is where you'll be staying until we have your trial. Oh, man, this thing's great. I get my own bed. I usually sleep on the floor. Now you wait in here, and I'll come get you when it is time for your tasks. Is there a menu for dinner tonight, or, like, what can we expect? We have to get you nice and fed so you can begin mining tomorrow. Is that what you meant by tasks, or... There's free food? I wouldn't say free. While you await your trial, you will pay your rented labor, like the other prisoners. It doesn't sound super free. Do you have any wine? You will not be getting any alcoholic beverages. We will provide you with water and carbs to fuel you. Toilet wine... He just doesn't respond. <laughs> we broke the captain. <laughs> we do have a toilet, Kanan, so it's not out of the question to make our own. Now make yourself at home. We will come get you in due time. Does this door look mechanical in nature? Yeah, it looks like a big metal door. So not a wall of force that can't be targeted by certain spells? It does not seem like a wall of force. It seems like an actual real door, like a vault door. Cool. He said we have about an hour, so I'm going to summon Apricot. I'm going to start in right away. Dibs on the bed by the door. I settle down on it, and I start praying for a ferret to appear. She doesn't actually cast a spell. She's just like, please, 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 please give me a ferret. Please? And then it just happens. I really want a pet, God. It's never, it's never like, it's never for certain. <laughs> There's always a chance that it just doesn't work. Uh Info's going to look around and start looking for materials to build a new Rodney. There are like pipes and like metalwork around that I can like start pulling down. Yeah, do an investigation check. Oh, seven with a plus five. That is very bad. Almost as bad as you could get. You're looking around and you're like, these toilets are like basically just steel sinks with like a water spout. I guess you could destroy that if you really wanted to. But I don't know if there's enough there for you to build anything. You'd probably just break the toilet and sink. And when you're looking around, you don't feel like there's really that much you can build any sort of robot or anything out of. So yeah, you can all uh, wait in here for an hour, which would uh, give you a short rest. And while this happens, we'll switch back to Dr. Shepard. Dr. Shepard, you have followed them all the way here. Multiple days worth of space travel without being detected. As far as you know, at least. They certainly haven't responded or reacted in any sort of way that would signal you to think that they know that you're here. You landed on this moon that is just around the planet of Glyph. And when you were searching for them, you just began to literally walk in a direction after parking the Gary. And then you started searching for a radio signal and you finally picked one up. But it wasn't them. It was not your crew. You picked up the voice of someone who claimed to be named Erky Timbers. And they said they will try to find you because they were looking for another person called Captain Burke. And instead, they were surprised to find you. You have not yet met them, but you did reveal to them that you are an Illithid. 
you were on the crew of the Eclipse and that you were here looking for your friends. You also agreed to use fairy fire to create a signal so that they can come and find you. And the last you heard, they were going to look for that signal because they believed that they were within a mile of your location. Because you started walking, I would say you're a couple miles away from the eclipse, a couple miles away from Gary, and you shoot up this firework-like fairy fire into the sky, and here you are waiting for Erky Timbers to show up. What are you doing while you wait? Uh, probably just keeping an eye on the skies, and uh, I'm assuming he's going to be coming in like a ship, and I don't know why Dr. Shepard's assuming that, but I am assuming he's coming in a flying craft, so I'm just kind of uh, looking up and uh, making sure that I keep my fairy fire on. Okay. Can you make a perception check? I sure can. Ten. We're not rolling super great tonight. So you look around yourself, and you are still in this very desert-like atmosphere. It was described before as... Imagine you're in the Australian desert, except everything is kind of made of, like, the sand is dark. It almost looks like ground-up coal rather than normal ground-up rock. Everything seems to be very sharp and solid, lots of stone, lots of metallic-type materials, not very many plants. The very, very few plants you have seen, like desert plants, uh, very, very few leaves. The leaves they do have are pointed, uh, narrow, not a lot of green. Uh, hardly any at all really the most you've seen is probably be more of a yellow and um you know those are just the things that look familiar to you there are other sorts of things that you would identify as maybe plants or maybe some sort of fungus but they are like so strange so alien to what you're used to even with your training you know to be space cadet basically you still are not sure what a lot of these things are and that's kind of all you see as you're looking around uh, the fairy fire is going up above you But suddenly, you begin to hear the hum of some sort of engine approaching. But it doesn't sound very big. And in fact, you kind of feel like you hear two. And you'll see in the distance, not too far out, two things approaching you that essentially look like floating, uh, from a distance, like floating snowmobiles or something, just kind of coming at you very quick. I mean, let's, let's be honest, they look like speeders. And they are coming directly at you. And they, um are pulling up very, very closely. As you get closer, you see that they are two people wearing um, what seems to be like black, green, and kind of like a maroon armor, and then black helmets, and there are rifles on their backs. What do you do? Uh, do I recognize this uniform from anywhere? Like, it, it's just like a... Did I find out uh, what uh, Erky Timbers is a part of and what this Captain Burke is a captain of? The only thing that you've heard is that he's just looking for Captain Burke and that Captain Burke works for the Lord's Alliance. Yeah, okay, so I do remember that. Uh, I, I did find out that they're L.A. members. Okay, so I don't recognize these uniforms coming at me with these colors and... Do an inside check. Uh, still plus two, but with how tonight's going, yep, 11. We're creeping up there, everybody. You feel like maybe you've seen them before, but you're not really sure. <laughs> Both the speeders will lower down to the ground, and then kind of you see the glowing crystals on them deactivate, and these two figures will get off. They're maybe like 200 feet away from you, and um, you'll just see them suddenly both pull these rifles off their back, and they're pointing them at you. You'll hear... 
a, a voice come in. It seems to be like magnified in some sort of way, like like some sort of device. And it's like like a megaphone type thing. Freeze! Who goes there? They start slowly walking towards you with these rifles drawn. Both of them are still wearing these these helmets that you cannot see their face. Since they're so far away, I'll start uh, talking to them telepathically. Yeah, this is Dr. Shepard from the Lord's Alliance. Are you uh, Erky Timbers? Erky Timbers? Mr. Timbers? Either of you, gentlemen. One of them fires right at you with a 24. What? <laughs> this dude's a jerk. With a 24, you take eight damage as you get blasted in the shoulder with a bolt of magical force damage. Well, fuck. The other one's rifle will then blink as it discharges its own magical force beam at you with a 17 to hit. Yeah, I'll do it. I got a 15. You take 11 more damage. They start running towards you. Your turn. I mean, you can react, and then we'll roll initiative. <laughs> Shit. So I'm, I, I'm assuming these aren't Erky. Um, oh, you got a fucking 22 initiative. That's cool. Let me go ahead and roll my initiative. Five. Uh, significantly worse. What can I do to just one-shot two people? <laughs> you just got shot for 19 damage. Yeah, I How know. How much health do you have? Um, so my total health is 27. Wow. Uh, not anymore, it's not. I can only equate that to, like, actually getting shot in real life. Like, you've just been shot. <laughs> yeah, like, I have been shot, and now I am looking for anything I can do. I will... Fucking die, probably. Um, let's see here. I am going to cast sleep on them at a level two. 32. Does 32 put one or both to sleep? If it doesn't put a single one to sleep, I'm fucking gone. So you cast sleep, and it does not seem to affect them. Fuck this can i then use all my movement to turn and start to run okay so you just start running back the other direction yeah which i did they come from the way that i was walking towards where i yes oh shit fuck Um, one of them will pull off their helmet toss it on the ground and as you're running you can clearly see it's a gift yankee god damn Freeze, citizen. You are under arrest. No, I'm going to keep running. <laughs> I mean, they're they're about to fucking kill me. Uh, I'm going to keep running back towards the game. <laughs> the other one will pull out some sort of monocular device and begin to get a closer look and realize that you are indeed in a lithid. But you were already running away anyways. Um, as you were running, there's another flash, and you'll see one of the shots launch over your shoulder into the distance with only an 11 to hit. You'll suddenly hear behind you the two engines on the speeder bikes kick to life. And we go back to your turn. Uh, well, first I'm going to try to radio Erky. Mmm, Erky, you there? Another bolt of light goes flying over your head as you're running and trying to communicate with Erky. And suddenly there will be a additional blast that comes from your right. And you will see a beam of red light collides with one of the Githyanki that are chasing you. And standing up on the hill, you see a very short figure, maybe three feet tall. They seem to be wearing, like, black armor as well as some, like, brown leather items. But you can't actually see their face. They seem to be wearing some sort of mask. One of their arms seems much larger than the other, and it seems almost 
like even from this distance, like metallic in nature, it seems to be something that's been built. And you see that this figure is holding a very large rifle that seems to be a bit bigger than they are, certainly like longer than they are tall. And that is where this beam of red energy has came from. And you're not sure who they are, but you definitely see what appears to be either a child, a halfling, a gnome, or some other creature of that stature. Maybe a goblin, something like that, fully clothed with this rifle. And they were both getting onto their speed bikes, and this blast of energy seems to have knocked one of them onto the ground. The other one, who was just about to mount his speed bike, now has its rifle trained on Herky. 21 to hit. You'll see them launch a blast directly at this figure that you can assume is Herky Timbers, and he is going to take 11 damage. This thing catches him right in the chest. Definitely braces from the impact, but does not seem to topple this figure. And you'll just hear a voice ring out of your communication device. Arg, what the hell you think you're doing down there? You're trying to get us both killed? I will turn towards the one that just got shot, and I will shoot a guiding bolt at it. Nine! What is going on? Alright, you shoot this guiding bolt, and it does not connect with either of them. I'm gonna uh, yeah, just pivot and keep running uh, in the direction of Erky. Alright, so you pivot, and now you're running at an angle to where technically you are kind of, in a way, running back towards them. You are not running directly at these gifts, but you are definitely... You know, getting closer to them as you're cutting off to the side, um, up to this like rocky hill where supposedly Erky Timbers is standing there with the rifle drawn. Erky will run forward, kind of do a little slide and slide down the side of the gravel and get closer to you. And now you can actually hear a voice coming from this masked figure. Stand behind me! You got anything to fire at him? And it's going to be lifting uh, their rifle up again to get another shot. Meanwhile, the to get the Yankee that were chasing you, one of them is going to slowly stand up to its feet and will use its turn to mount onto its bike. Uh, the other one is already standing. It mounts onto its bike and then just starts to move at you both very, very quickly. It moves about 40 feet instantly, and you see this blast come from a rifle that it has hanging over the front handlebar area of this speed bike. I am going to have it be with disadvantage since they are driving a vehicle. I don't think it's going to matter, Jeremy. And they roll a 10. Oh, maybe well. As they go to shoot the Olithid on sight, and it goes right over your shoulder, but this speed bike is still coming at you pretty, pretty quickly. It's now your turn again, Dr. Shepard. What are you going to do? So the one that got shot, I'm going to raise up my staff. Uh, I, I feel a little bit uh, deflated after my guiding bolt missed, so instead I'm going to do something I know will work. I'm actually going to use my first free cast of Levitate on that bike. Does it have a weight limit? Uh, so it does, and uh, you let me know if I can roll some kind of check to see if I think that this would end up not working, because if not, then I wouldn't. Um, have tried this, but if I think this thing is over 500 pounds, I would know not to try this. Well, what are you going to try to do? Because I do think you can see that this machine is probably over 500 pounds, but the person driving it probably isn't, and the crystal that is powering it certainly does not weigh more than that. So, tossing in my mind, uh, uh, levitate the gith or levitate the crystal. I want to levitate the crystal and actually shut the bike down. Okay, so does it just happen? 
Well, it makes a constitution saving throw. Um, well, it can't because can you target an object? Oh, that. Oh no, it is a creature. Oh wait, or loose object. But it says loose object. Well, it's not thick. I mean, it's like they put it in there and turned it. It's like a battery. So like, okay. I would say it's loose. It's something okay. Cemented. Then yeah. Then yeah. Yeah. Let's do that then. Uh, I think that's best case scenario. So this thing's coming at you full speed, and you just use levitate, and you levitate the crystal coil right out of this thing. It immediately dispowers, slams down onto the ground. It drops like that foot that it was levitating, sliding. It's still moving at you, but it seems to stop with a like a good 12 feet between you. The gif on it seems very, very upset. Erky's going to go, ah, that's how we do it. Do you have anything else on your turn before Erky takes his turn? I don't think I do. No, that's all. All right, the moment this happens, Erky Timbers is going to fire that rifle one more time with an 11. Unfortunately, it misses as the Gith Yankee that is now on the crashed bike ducks down besides the side of it, and the blast from Erky, that red blast of energy, flies directly over it. Erky's going to curse to himself quietly and then reload his rifle again. Um, it seems like this is not him using magic, but it is certainly some sort of device he's using. And after that, he's going to just level up for another shot, but that will be the end of his turn. To the Gith Yankee. The one that had mounted its bike in the back powers it up and speeds directly towards you. It is going to use its action to dash essentially and attempt to ram you with its speeder. I need you to make a dexterity saving throw. Yeah, saw that coming. That will be an 18 total with a plus two. Finally. Alright, what's it look like as you manage to dodge this speed bike yeah so i think i was looking at it and i think i was trying to like ready myself to also levitate the crystal out of this thing and uh it was just too quick paced from uh between the last levitate to this one uh so i i realized pretty early on i didn't have time so when he's like 30 feet away i already start dodging out of the way yeah and he just I mean, he doesn't hit anything, he just misses, and he's going so fast that by the time it, like, changes the energy in such a way that it's essentially slamming on the brakes and, like, managing to whip the speed bike around, it has already moved a good 30 feet past you, and um, they have already used their action this turn. So now it moves to the other Gith Yankee who had ducked behind their speeder that you've deactivated. Uh, is that crystal coil still levitating in the air? Yes, yeah, so that is concentration for, I believe, like 10 minutes or something stupid. Okay, so this Gith Yankee is going to instead drop down the one knee to where they're literally behind their speeder, line the rifle up on it, and another shot will bring out. Unlike Erky's shot, this one hits, and it hits Erky directly in the chest as he is the one armed and uh, firing it. What appears to be a pretty deadly rifle, and it hits Erky for nine damage. The force actually will like push him back a couple of inches, but you can see like smoke coming off of his armor, and you can actually see where it's actually damaged it, and he, he probably took the hit directly. But it's he's still standing, and he's still holding this rifle strong. Haven't really even kind of changed his aim. And then we'll go back to you, Dr. Shepard. What are you going to do? Which one's Erky aiming at? Erky's aiming at the one that is hiding behind the speeder, the one that you like you had pulled the crystal out and its speeder deactivated. Uh-huh. He's hiding behind that bike like in half cover and is using the bike to level the shot. And that's the one Erky's trying to shoot. The other one missed you, so that other one's like 30 feet behind you now because you had dodged out of the way. Is that also the one that Erky has already shot, the one that he's aiming at? Yeah. 
All right, I'm going to use my staff this time for a surefire thing. I'm going to use my um, magic missile spell coil staff, which will, of course, be just instant hit for uh, three force damage. Not a lot, but uh, at least it's some guaranteed hit. Hit the one that has already been injured. You hit him for three damage. And these blasts of energy, they just weave right around this speed bike that they're hiding behind. And um, you hear them let out a little cry of pain, but they definitely are still up. And then I do, uh, uh, because that was uh, uh, an action I used for my bonus action, uh, healing ward on myself for a whole three points of healing. That was a one plus a two. You give what you get. And then that's it. As soon as that happens, Erky, who has been readying this shot, will once again fire the uh, red energy rifle for a 20. Now time, Erky. And he'll hit the Gith Yankee square in the face for 15 damage. <laughs> you'll see the blast catch this thing right in the head, and you'll hear it drop. And a second or two passes, and you don't hear any movement or anything. You're not really sure, but you can assume he might have took this thing out. What you do hear is the speeder's engine coming from behind you. And if you were to turn around, this other Gith Yankee is now driving back at you um, with their skeeter. They are going to fire at you, but it will have disadvantage to a 13 to hit. And because it is going at you so quickly, it is going to miss the shot, but I still need you to take a dexterity saving throw. As it can certainly travel... You get a natural one. Yeah, I sure did. And you do not dodge at all. <laughs> you take 18 damage as you are rammed violently with this, this this big hunk of metal moving at extremely fast speeds. I really hope that Erky has some kind of healing or something, medical skills perhaps, to get me back because I am down. Like anyone being hit by a vehicle, you are sent flying backwards. Um, you are lucky that this thing is levitating or else it would have just completely ran you over. You can actually feel the heat of like the power coming off the bottom of it that kind of burns you in ways you're hit by this thing. And everything just flashes you go unconscious. You are knocked back like 10 or 15 feet. And we'll move back to the crew of the Eclipse. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> hate it. I hate it, Jeremy. I'm Jeremy. And I'm Jerundu. And we are the hosts of Dice Talk on the Majestic Goose Podcast Network. Dice Talk is a Dungeons and Dragons and tabletop podcast that dives into the deep topics of tabletop role-playing games. Join us as we speak with passionate content creators, podcasters, authors, and more as we discuss all manner of tabletop and geek-related content. Dice Talk is a bi-weekly show, so we're hitting your podcatchers with fresh new episodes every other week filling your ears with exclusive interviews and conversations that you can't find anywhere else. Every episode is a new opportunity to hear from different creators in the tabletop community and just talk about Dungeons & Dragons and any other tabletop games that have made us who we are. Dice Talk, now on the Majestic Goose Podcast Network. Make sure you check us out and subscribe so you never miss an episode. A Majestic Goose Podcast.
Hi, I'm Cameron. I'm Christian. I'm Dylan. And, and we're, we're Table, Table Talk. Join us as we bring together longtime dungeon masters and players, YouTubers and podcasters, authors, and more. Chat about everything Table Talk RPG related. Everything from play styles, world building and lexicon, game reviews, interviews with professional content creators, homebrew monsters and spells, lore, and even special holiday themed content. Keep those dice rolling. Hail Vecna! You find yourself in the midst of an endless frozen field. This would be difficult terrain for all but the most elite warriors, but you're no stranger to this punishing climate. You stand alone with nothing but your trusted silver blades and your most resplendent custom-made armor. This is it, the final encounter in a quest for gold that's brought you all over the world. You've been training your whole life for this, and you're ready. If this sounds exciting, have we got great news for you about competitive figure skating. Join us at the Ice Tea Podcast, the podcast where we spill the tea on figure skating. Whether you're a diehard fan or you just saw Yuri on Ice once and you thought it looked kind of cool, we're here to recap major events, interview your favorite skaters, break down the drama, and do the incredibly important sports journalism of rating the quality of plushies thrown out onto the ice. We may not be technical specialists, but we are comedians with a lot to say. Check us out at bit.ly slash Podcast or by searching the Ice Tea Podcast wherever you get your pods. All right, crew, you're in this prison cell. You've all taken a short rest, and about an hour has passed. What did you do during this hour? Lita would have drawn a portrait of the jackass Githyanki so she could have it ready for when he comes to get them for dinner. Is it nice, or is it like a mean caricature? <laughs> yeah, with like a the bulging like vein in the forehead and like the exclamation point with the question mark over it. Like, Does anyone have a, like a <laughs> sewing kit or anything? Um, I have tinker's tools. I need a full hour to summon apricot, but I like will loan my weaver's tools to anybody. I'm assuming that's just like a sewing kit or like knitting needles or something. <laughs> uh, Info's gonna look around for a bit and then he's gonna turn to everybody and say, Um, does anyone have the ability to make a bag or or a sack? Are there sheets on this bed? So they are, So, but there's not like blankets. So these beds are very plain. They're just like very like hard mattresses with like a sheet. There's not even like a pillow. It's just like something you can pull over yourself. But yeah, they're not like comforters or anything. Info wants to make a small, shallow bag. Big enough for a person to climb into. I thought you meant like a wallet. It sounds like a body bag is what it sounds like. <laughs> a small, shallow Just big enough for a person to step bag. into. Yeah. Big enough for a person. Yes. <laughs> yeah, roughly. <laughs> Small. I have like a like a freezer Ziploc, and I'm like, this is the big bag, like a potato sack. Okay, like a potato yeah, sack, something big enough that someone could okay. step in and like, if in theory. So a body bag. It doesn't even have to be so that a bigger big. bag than you own at all. Info's always in the weirdest yeah, shit. Bag, like I assume no one has a bag big enough for a person to step into on their person. Yeah, we need to make a sack. Okay. I feel like you could take two sheets and sew them into a sack. I have a bedroll. 
Isn't that, couldn't you make a bedroll? Isn't that like a sleeping bag? Could you not like, is that like is a sack? Yeah. That's a person sack. That's what a sleeping bag is. It sort of is a person sack already. Um, so we're in here and you said it's just like bars. Like we can stick our hands out and stuff. There's no magic blocking it or anything. Well, they're not bars. It's a solid iron door. Oh, interesting. But there's like no eye hole or something where we could shove a bag through it. No, it's just a big solid iron door. Is there room, like, under it to slide? Nope. Not into the kitchen. You can't see into, like, the kitchen area where you'd pass through. That's claustrophobic. But there are two doors to the north that both look iron as well. Uh, do any of these doors have, like, an opening big enough that we could, in theory, slide a, fa- a fabric sack through it? Just shove it back through say, hey, get in that for me, please. Well, the two doors to the north do have, like, a little slider that someone would slide open and shut to talk or put things through, but not the one that you had all came through. Info is going to take the newly made sack, and he's going to infuse it to be a bag of holding. A sleeping bag of holding. I love it. So wait, do we take the sheets, or do we still have four sheets, and you just turned Ava's sleeping bag into a bag of holding? Uh, whatever, uh, I think the sheets would be a smaller, like, it would be easier to get sheets through an opening than, like, a sleeping bag. It also occurs to me that they probably would have taken my sleeping bag, right? Like, they don't let you keep your backpack when you go to prison, right? Yeah, you don't they just don't have They don't let you keep your Jansport when you go yeah, through the you have... tunnels to prison. Yeah, they did take your stuff, and you haven't seen it since you've been on the ship. <laughs> so Ava's just that dick who's like, I have a sleeping bag at home. Well, that's not going to do us a damn bit of good now, will it? But yeah, you can take two of the sheets and sew them together and then turn that, their sack, into a bag of holding. Cool. Because that's what we're doing. Alright, guys. I have a plan. And we're doing this because it's just crazy enough to work. What is your plan, Info? Uh, well, being a warforged, I don't need to breathe. So, I'm going to climb into this bag of holding, and one of you assholes is going to shove me through that hole and just kind of hold on to it and dump me out on the other side. And then we'll see what goes on from there. You can also flip the bag inside out, and everything that's inside of it will fall out. But that requires you sticking both of your hands out and flipping it inside out. Like, I don't think that's a thing we're going to be able to do. If I know how a bag of holding works, you actually have to either destroy the bag to empty its contents or stick your hand in with intention to pull out a specific item. Well, if two people, like, hold the sides and then someone just pushes the rest of it inside out into the other room. Before we shove you through interdimensional space, let me see if I can just cast knock on this door and open it. Okay. I guess that'll work too. Which door do you want open? Uh, well, I guess we could try the main door because, you know, that's the way we came. Ava, I know that you are great with your hands and you don't necessarily need weapons. Do the rest of us have weapons? Perfect. If I open the door, I can't summon my shadow blade. <laughs> so which door are we, we going to open? I think we try the main door. I've got magical spells now, so I can I can actually do magical combat. 
Okay. I can do a little bit of that. <laughs> uh, I would like to walk over to the main door and press my ear up against it and see if I can hear any movement or noise coming from beyond this big, heavy iron door. Sure, do an investigation check. 13. Um, with 13, you're listening and you're listening, and you do feel like you hear some some sort of something on the other side. I can hear some movement beyond this door, so if we're doing this, I suggest everybody get ready for a scuffle, because they're not going to want to just let us out. I appreciate the ideas and the effort, but I just really don't see the point. Like, every time that we've tried to escape from anything, either one of us has died, or we've almost died. And I just really don't want to die waiting for a trial, as they just keep gathering evidence as to why we would be guilty, because we really didn't do anything wrong, except now we tried to escape a cell. And if we do it again, it's just going to keep coming back onto us, and I really just don't see the point. Info's gonna look at Kanan and kind of, like, shrug and go... Do you think you could hide this giant bag of holding in your shirt or something? I could just like bust out like uh, like, an, like a monster or something. You could just kind of like toss me out there. It's also probably very smart. Says the guy who stabs someone to death. He didn't die. I was that ineffectual. I mean, I don't need to breathe and we already made the fucking bag of holding. I'd like to use it. I mean, you can sleep in it if you want to. But like, I just... Yeah, I guess it's better than nothing. But I'm still going to climb in it if we hear him coming. If nothing else, just to scare him and make him scared a little because I'm kind of pissed at them still. Why don't we steal the mattresses, Info? That's why I had the fucking bag of holding. Y- at least you made it. You'll hear a knock at the door. Labor time! You're a labor! Oh, I'm indecent. Please don't open the door. Oh, no. And the door will open. She's nude! That's where we'll end this episode of Eclipse. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You know, it is what it is. Hey everybody, this is Jeremy, your DM. Thank you so much for tuning into another episode of Eclipse. I hope that you enjoyed it as much as we did when we recorded it. The plot is really starting to take off now, so I'm super excited to get deeper into this story. The next episode of Eclipse will release in two weeks, so make sure that you're subscribed to Eclipse so you never miss an episode. And if you've enjoyed Eclipse, please tell your friends about us. Go wherever you like to get your podcasts and leave us a rating and a review. We have gotten a lot of downloads and a lot of positive feedback, so I really, really appreciate all the support. You can keep up to date with all the Eclipse content by following us on Twitter. That is at EclipsePod. We are super active on there. You can also go to TheEclipsePod.com where you can learn about the show and the crew and all the awesome voice actors that are playing the characters for Eclipse. Eclipse is part of the Majestic Goose Podcast Network, so you will want to check that out as well. We're home to over a dozen podcasts and streams. We have everything from actual plays to talk shows. We even do a live nerdy craft stream every week, so we really do it all here on the Majestic Goose Network. We release new content six days a week with shows like Doom Clock, One Shot Onslaught, Halfway to Hero, Dice Talk, Roll for Weird, and many, many more. 
So go to MajesticGoose.com and check out all that awesome stuff on there. You can check out our weekly streaming schedule and just come say hi to us. Thanks again for tuning in and we'll talk to you next time on Eclipse.